You're listening to a North Valley Church podcast. Thanks so much for joining. For more information and resources, you can visit us online at northvalley.org. All right, well, good morning. Good to be with you guys. This is uh, Caleb and Kelly as their family, so I'm going to invite them up. They're part of our first missionaries in Scotland. Let's give them a big round of applause. That's pretty cool. That's a motivating song, and like, that's really cool. It's very, very, like, vibey, very trendy feel. You guys are really cool. Yeah. Um, It's going to be incredible hard work. You guys are going to go out and plant a church in Scotland. You've been working at this. You've got a partner church in Scotland, which is incredible, that is so excited that they're coming to to go plant a church. And it's going to be a long journey. Leslie and I are. So connected to you guys individually because of how we know the story of church planning. And it's so exciting to see you go to Scotland and you're giving up so, so much. So two questions is why Scotland and then what are you most excited about? Yeah, absolutely. We love Scotland. We love the Scottish people. Um, Main thing that drives us there, though, is the need. Um, the need is huge. Scotland, if, if you're familiar with Europe, is a fairly dark place when it comes to Christianity. Um, it's also the drug capital of Europe. Around, actually, less than 2% now is what the Reverend who we're partnering with in Chalmers um, there in Edinburgh, Scotland, is saying less than 2% of the population actually attends church. So if you can imagine that, you know, people sitting in this room, only 2% of you left, that, that's a really... Uh, lonely feeling it is i I have a question for you so i know we didn't plan this sure but why why is it that bad because uh it was like do you think it's because it was like a state-sponsored religion and they took away the freedom or like because europe is like it's like the black hole of christianity in so many ways not all places but like scott uh, scotland there was the the protestant reformation the scottish reformation John Knox and all those guys. So, yeah. like, what would you say to somebody? Like, why is it that way? Just, I know yeah. you study, you guys are like cultural analysts and all that. So what would you say to that? I would say that, you know, there's a lot I could talk about as far as that goes. Right. But I would say the number one thing is that we forget as a people how Jesus is better than what the world offers. Mm. And so when that happens in all the areas of our life when it comes to family, when it comes to truth, when it comes to, you know, fill in the blank, we start to draw away from him and forget about him. And that happened in a massive way. And you might be sitting there thinking, Scotland, really, it's that bad? Because you're right, like, that's where a lot of Christianity came from. Yeah. um, But it's completely changed. Wow. So you, what are you guys most excited about? A tough journey, like, you know, like it is going to be like, it's the calling I know that is getting you going, but is there personal things that you're excited about? Like maybe Caleb, a kilt maybe? Or, <laughs> it's not or, off the table. Or, you know, like I don't I know before. if Scottish food is good or not, but. It can be. It, yeah, it can, can be. be really good. Okay. All right. Um, there's some cultural things. I think things they're known there. for like their, their scotch and their, yeah. and their, yeah, different things like that. They're haggis, if yeah. you ever had that. Okay, all right. So what yeah. are you excited about, like, personally as a family? We're excited to experience that as a family for sure. You know, the little ones picking up a Scottish accent will be adorable. There's some cultural nuances there that we're looking forward to. That's going to be cool. And they're going to go to school there, right? Yeah, So you guys are, are going to get in in, like, August, Lord willing? Yep, Lord willing. 
and then they're going to go into a Scottish school system. Yeah. Wow. That'll be interesting. I wonder if they can, uh, and all the, like the language is English, but they just have the thick accent. Absolutely. Yeah, you should Google it. We, can you impersonate thick. for us this morning? I, I can't. Okay. Can't come close to it right now. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Well, the cool news is, is guys, I want to invite Andy up. He's one of our elders. Um, we have our other elders that are out. One is on a buffalo hunt. The other one's doing business in Chicago. And so, but we're going to pray for you guys this morning. And the great news is, is because of you as a church have already been so generous through our hope offering, it's at the largest level we've ever had it in the history of the church. Um, we can, for the very first time, make a commitment to them as a missionary couple planting a church um, to support them at $500 a month. And then we'll reevaluate to, to increase that every year. And then we're sending them out with a big one-time gift of $5,000 today. So thank you for your giving. Thank you. And uh, the, the cool news is, is because of your giving to the Hope Offering, we can help bring hope to those who need it the most. And so um, this is a great investment, like investing into the lives of a family that's going to go share and show the love of Jesus Christ uh, to the world around us. So we're going to pray for them. Andy, if you'll, let's lay hands on these guys and we're going to pray. And if you guys will just agree with us in prayer for God's protection and blessing over their family. Uh, Lord Jesus, thank you for Caleb and Kelly and their great love for you, so much so that they're willing to go into all nations and to share and show the love of Jesus Christ. Uh, Father, we pray for their influence and their impact, that they would be able to reach folks, and Lord, in a kind of a black hole of uh, a part of the world where just people have walked away from you. And so might you bring great life in and through the, the conversations and the connections that they have. Give them an incredible amount of perseverance in their hearts for the hard work that is ahead. We love them. We are so thankful for them. And we pray, God, for your blessing, your favor, protection over their marriage, over their family, over their ministry, all for your name and your fame. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen. All right, guys. Thank you so much for being a part, man. That's awesome. So proud of you guys. All right. Well, hey, I want to give you a little personal update on just me. Gosh, about a, a week ago or so, I was in a pretty bad car accident with uh, my wife and another gal here in the church and totaled out my truck. I love, I love my truck, but, um, and I'm sad about that. So the first, like, five days, I was just grieving and mourning the idea that I, like, didn't die and nobody died and but now I'm grieving my truck okay so I woke up one day and I'm like I am so sad my truck is gone she's like oh well at least you're alive I'm like yeah I know but I've worked on my truck so much so it is gone uh, my body's a little achy and I'm feeling it um, but so just pray for me in that just for uh, the recovery and just a replacement you know the market that we live in today is just it's just like bogus like it's the worst time in American history to go buy a used car and so I don't know what's going to work out. I'm grateful to God that I think there's a lesson learned, and I want to encourage you, is that you're here for a reason. You're alive for a reason. When we got hit, um, our vehicle, we were going about whatever the speed limit was, and then spun around, did a 360 into oncoming traffic, and I swear to you in that moment, it's like everything slowed down, and I see my beautiful wife sitting there, and we're spinning around in this moment, and oncoming traffic at 60 miles an hour, trucks are coming in, zooming past, and I'm thinking, Lord, do not, I don't preserve or protect or awaken that driver not to hit us. 
Thankfully, we weren't hit again, and we're okay. But here's the message for you today. You are here for a reason. You have air in your lungs. God has got a plan and a purpose for your life. The reason why you're here is to know him and to make him known. That's why you're here. Um, the chief end of man is to glorify God, enjoy him forever. This is your purpose. And so I want to encourage you in that. Um, again, ask for your prayers just for my family and for all those involved in the accident. And, and additionally, I just want to give you a personal update. I just got back from Wyoming. I was in Wyoming this week with a great organization called Fathers in the Field. And I was with pastors from around the country and then missionaries through the organization. And this organization helps uh, address one of the biggest cultural crises of our, our time in American culture to address the fatherlessness that's going on and then the single moms. And so the single moms and ch uh, fatherless children make up the largest demographic of the unchurched in the United States of America. Our church is the first church in Arizona to adopt this program. So we minister to fatherless boys and we give them godly, good mentor fathers. And I got to hang out with pastors and missionaries. We were turkey hunting. And, you know, I'm a hunter, so I loved it. We were in Wyoming uh, near Devil's Tower. It was beautiful. It was awesome. Um, I'll tell you what. I, it was, I'm not a good turkey hunter, okay? I did not shoot a turkey, but I shot the breeze. That's about all I did. And uh, maybe shot the bull, too. So, uh, so anyway, I just want to tell you, uh, be praying for us. We're ramping up fathers in the field. We have a number of father mentors in our church. So proud of them, so grateful for them. Uh, we want to see God continue to use that. Please get the word out this summer. There's a lot of folks that are going to be moving into the Phoenix Valley, June, July. When you see those neighbors show up, tell them about our church. If they're single and they got a boy, say, our church is for you. We got a place for you, a place for your boy, and we want to help so much. So um, this is a, an incredible time, uh, I think, for our culture, too, as well, is to understand we're going to wrap up today's series. Today's message series is about censorship, cancel culture, and Jesus. And we're in John chapter 6, and I want to give you an update as well. DVUSD, we uh, contacted the, the, uh, the kind of the inner workings of the school district. There's been a lot of interesting things that have been going on in our district on teaching things that are actually not, they're absolutely antithetical to the Bible um, about gender identity and all that stuff. I addressed it with principals, uh, superintendent, and now we have rallied some support from moms in the church, moms on a mission. I don't know if that's what we'll call it or not, but they are working with me so intelligently from a legal perspective, from a state perspective, from a Christian perspective. And then we're going to be um, connecting probably mid-June uh, with the school board. So if you're interested in helping speak truth in, for life in our district, it's very important. Um, Arizona uh, Education Board has literally got this crazy plan that is not, uh, not anything like we've ever seen before that's uh, infiltrating the entire uh, state of Arizona's educational system on things that are completely contrary to what I would call Judeo-Christian beliefs. And then DVUSD, in my opinion, is the one that's being picked on as their poster child. And I would say, uh, as a church, we believe in truth. We want to speak the truth in, help me out, love. And so, but we got to stand up and speak up and speak out. So, 
I'm going to go on uh, vacation this week. I'm headed down to Mexico uh, tomorrow. I'm going to pick up my son uh, over at uh, I-68. They're building a house. A lot of folks from our church are building a house this weekend right now. And uh, we're going to pick him up, say good job on serving the Lord with your friends. And uh, we're so excited about that. And then we're going to go to the beach and hang out for a week. Uh, the following week, I'm going to be working on a writing project. I've been saying I was going to work on a book for a long time. I've got it. I just need to finish it up. And then I'll be back, but it'll be like three Sundays. So I won't be here. But do me a favor. Still invite your friends to church. Um, we're doing a message series called Best Sermon Ever. So no pressure on the preachers. But I told them, it's, the sermon series is Best Sermon Ever. So bring your best. So we got Del Husay, uh, former president of Phoenix Seminary, former senior pastor at Scottsdale Bible, um, Bob Lehman, uh, former founding pastor of AZ Hills up in Anthem, he's coming. And then uh, Scott Schwarzentrooper, president of I-68 Mission Board. This is going to be an awesome series. So grateful, so thankful, a lot going on. Um, but I'm, a, I'm excited to finish this up today. So let me jump in, uh, in prayer and then we'll get into the text. Heavenly Father, thank you for your church. Uh, you're at work even when we're not. You're doing things in our lives uh, and extending grace and mercy when we don't even deserve it. We thank you so much for using this church, Lord, uh, despite any uh, challenges or difficulties that we have. We're grateful for that. We, we felt that this morning in seeing Caleb and Kelly go and share and show the love of Jesus Christ. You are life. There is no other life that we can find other than you. Today, we're going to look to your word and ask for your conviction of the Holy Spirit, the clarity of the mind as we look at the scriptures, and Lord, that we take some courage and live it out. In Jesus' name, amen. On October 31st of 1517, Martin Luther, a priest, a scholar, he nailed to the castle church door in Wittenberg, Germany, a paper poster. Uh, it contained 95 points of biblical and theological arguments against the practices of the Roman Catholic Church. It was, in a sense, a public forum for all to view. In today's time, what we do is we post stuff like that online at Facebook. But if you remember the days pre-Facebook, you know, um, some of you don't even know what that world is like. But there was a day pre-Facebook. Um, Perhaps you remember in the colleges where there would be a community board or maybe in your workplace there's a community board where people can post information. Uh, Luther pins up on the door this poster with 95 uh, theological arguments and uh, exposing some of the, the challenges that were going on in the Catholic Church. Uh, he never intended to oh, like, overwhelm the Catholic Church to just quit being the church uh, but to reform it and purify it. Someone ended up ripping this poster off, uh, printing it, making copies of it, and the controversy began. Little did he know that he would spark what would become a global controversy, a movement still felt today known as the Protestant Reformation. Uh, I believe that the fountainhead of our ideas as the United States of America for democracy for the idea of freedom of religion or freedom of speech was really stems from that moment in time when Luther protested, if you will. 
I believe that our American Constitution, especially the First Amendment, uh, can be traced back to the very same ideas of Martin Luther, the first Protestant reformer. You see, Luther did something we need to do. He stood against the odds. He was willing to go against the grain because there was such a compelling conviction in him for truth that he did not care what it cost him. Uh, Martin Luther uh, Jr. once said, he said, you have not yet lived until you found something worth dying for. Amen? You haven't yet lived until you find something worth dying for. Too many Christians are not living because they have found nothing worth dying for. Uh, Martin Luther, the church reformer, uh, back in the 1500s, I believe that these ideas, he argued the very uh, idea that every believer had the right and the responsibility to read the scriptures and have for themselves an opportunity to agree or disagree with the church. Um, to disagree with the church at that time could get you killed. He, ex he stood against 1,000 years of church tradition. Uh, he demonstrated his bravery in speaking up and speaking out against councils, priests, and popes of his day. Um, his ideas are the very foundation for what we call freedom of speech. His ideas are the very foundation for freedom of thought. His ideas um, were suppressed. These, uh, the freedom of speech and freedom of thought was suppressed for like a millennia in his day. And I think perhaps one of the most famous quotes that I found from Luther, perhaps you've heard it, uh, will echo in eternity. Uh, when he was asked to recant all his works and his beliefs and his convictions, he said this. He said, I cannot and I will not recant anything. His life was on the line. He would be executed, uh, uh, labeled a heretic, and he'd be on the run for saying that kind of statement. He said, I cannot, I will not recant anything, for to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. Here I stand. I can do no other, so help me, God. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for great courage, great conviction, stronger believers. Father, I pray for power from the Holy Spirit on high in all of our lives to be filled to overflowing with grace and with truth. Help us to have the lion's heart, Lord, for, for righteousness, that we would hunger and thirst for righteousness. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. John chapter 6, Jesus has done a lot of miracles. Uh, he's uh, fed the multitude, walked on water. Um, but the things that he said created controversy. Uh, people are wanting to oust him, to wipe him out. Because he's claimed to be the Lord, and they're saying, you're either a, a liar or a lunatic. You're not the Lord. Many followers are, are frustrated. They love the miracles, but they don't like his message. And so John chapter 6, we're going to wrap this up, chapter 6, and move on to chapter 7 when I get back. Uh, but here's what we're going to do. Wrap it up today. Uh, we've been in John for 25, 30 weeks now, and we're going to keep moving through it. Verse 60. It says, when many of his disciples heard it, uh, they said, this is a hard saying, who can listen to it? Verse 16, but Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Uh, many folks were offended. Uh, the idea of what Jesus was talking about uh, 
was offensive to him. In today's time, when people are, as Christians, you're speaking truth, it can become across as deeply offensive. Uh, the Greek word is uh, scandalizi, and it's kind of the idea where we get the word scandal. And so Jesus' message is scandalous in a sense. Um, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinthians, and he was saying the message of Jesus Christ is crucified in a sense, is a stumbling block to so many folks. It's just offensive. Uh, Jesus was continually and constantly offending people. If you as a Christian don't offend people, my, my, my guess is you're probably not speaking very much truth because everybody's deeply offended. When you say things like, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, no one gets to the Father but through Jesus, you've just come against pluralism. You've come against all the ideas of this one-ism in religion today where it's any pathway can work for you. Jesus wasn't afraid to offend people. He asks a question, do you take offense at this? But there's more that will offend uh, these followers of Jesus Christ. Verse 62, then Jesus says, then what if you see the Son of Man ascending where he was before? In other words, he's declaring that he is God, that he will ascend back to the right hand of the Father, there's a promise coming that the Holy Spirit will come on believers after his ascension. And Jesus, in a sense, is uh, again testifying to his deity. Verse 63, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I've spoken to you are spirit and life. Verse 64, he says, but there are some of you who do not, who do not believe. The Apostle John adds a, a kind of commentary note here. He says, For Jesus knew from the beginning uh, who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And so let me just test the room for a moment. Um, there's 12 uh, disciples that end up becoming apostles. Um, who is the one who will betray Jesus? You, you, you got it. It's Judas. And... Uh, that name has gone down in history as the betrayer. And so John is making mention of that, verse 65, and he said, this is why I told you that, uh, that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. Verse 66, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Disciples doesn't mean that you're, uh, these disciples are not all committed disciples. They don't all fully believe in Jesus. Disciple just means a follower. These are crowds of people that are following Jesus Christ, but there's no commitment. There's no genuineness to their faith. They're seeking, but many at this point are frustrated with the controversy surrounding Jesus and his message, so they turn away. So it is in our culture today, many will call themselves Christians but you know and I know, just because you call yourself a Christian, it does not make you a Christian. Uh, my, uh, in the words of Keith Green, this old hippie that got saved in the Jesus movement, he's gone and with the Lord now, but he said, uh, uh, may, uh, saying you're a Christian or going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's will make you a hamburger, you know? So you're, you, you can't just say, I'm a Christian and you're a Christian. You're a Christian by your faith in Jesus Christ. In believing that Jesus Christ is the Lord, that he is the answer to your sin problem, he is the solution for your sin, that is what makes you a Christian. So, many disciples turn back, no longer want to walk with Jesus. The crowd is thinning. 
It's getting smaller. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go as well? Probably a very painful moment. All the disciples are like, are you kidding me? Why would we leave? Jesus knows exactly what's going on. And so today I'll say to you as a pastor, when things are heating up in our culture, do you want to follow Jesus Christ? Even if it costs you insults or persecution? The American church doesn't know persecution like some of parts of the world know persecution. But I will say, in the increasingly hostile culture against Judeo-Christian values, there's going to be an intensity that heats up. And it'll be churches like these that I believe will fire up and strengthen up the believers to be full of grace and full of truth. So Jesus asked this question, and look, here's Simon Peter, love the guy. He says, Lord, verse 68, Lord, do, whom shall we go? Like, nobody's done what you've done. Nobody is who you are. You're the only answer. You're plan A, no plan B. This is true confession of faith in Jesus Christ. Look what he says. You have the words of eternal life. Notice he didn't say, you do the works of the bread of life. Like, you make a lot of bread. You do lots of miracles. He loves the words. Verse 69, and we have believed, Peter says, and have come to know. So Peter's speaking on behalf of his disciples, uh, on behalf of the 12. We've come to know that you're the Holy One of God. That's, that's what you need. You need a brave confession of who Jesus Christ is. I think the greatest testimony of are you saved or not saved is are you a, a witness? Because uh, I think that's probably the greatest spiritual mark of maturity too. Are you ashamed of Jesus Christ? Are you, are you, are you emboldened about Jesus Christ in your faith? Satan's plan is to silence the church. Satan's plan, Satan's plan is to censor you. Satan's plan is to cancel you. Satan's plan is to silence the witness. Peter says, we've believed. <laughs> We're all in. We've come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Verse 70, G Jesus answered them. He's stuck back on the reality, knowing there's still going to be fallout even in the 12. He says, did I not choose you, the 12, and yet one of you is a devil? What he mean, means by that is you're filled with satanic power. It's Judas. Verse 71, he spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the 12, was going to betray him. So I want to help you walk through what does it look like to be a true Christian in the context that we're looking at and a fake follower. Um, some of you received an email or text message from me, um, which was not me. It was a fake imposter uh, over this last uh, five to seven days. Somebody um, pretended to be Pastor Ryan and was a fakester. And they sent out a message and they worked on a number of other churches as well, claiming they were the pastor of the church and then were soliciting funds from the congregational members. And let me tell you how that happened. Um, it happened because this individual went on to North Valley's Facebook page, looked at all the likes and the people that were interacting on Facebook, Googled the information of these individuals, found their phone numbers, which by the way, if your phone number is on Facebook in public, you should get it off. Um, because anybody can find your identity or find your information and then exploit you and scam you. 
And so these individuals went through a number of churches, found all the people in the church, say they pick a couple dozen or maybe a couple hundred, and they do the research to find your digital profile online, found the information, then pretend to be me or pretend to be another pastor, and then say, please send me money. I'm in trouble. I need a couple hundred dollars on each of these visa cards. Refill them as fast as possible. So while I'm hunting in Wyoming, I'm just trying to turkey hunt. I'm getting blown up with all these people. Pastor Ryan, what's wrong? Do you need help? I'm like, no, it's a scam. I'm turkey hunting, you know. Um, There's a lot of fakesters in the world around us. And so in Christianity, it's no different. What's the difference? True Christians are attracted to Christ. Fake followers are attracted to the crowds. I think you'll see churches that get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And they will go shallower and shallower and shallower and shallower with truth. And what will happen in the future of American churches, the megachurch will never die away. The megachurch will continue to grow, but the message will change. And people will be coming far more uh, enamored with Christianity because of the message that's been adjusted. It's pretty simple to see um, here in the context. uh, True Christians are attracted to Christ no matter the cost. Peter said, I'm going to follow you. You you got the words of life. True Christians are attracted to Jesus Christ. Listen, listen. The words of Jesus, the works of Jesus. They're attracted to the proclamations of Jesus and the demonstrations of Jesus. They're attracted to all the good news of Jesus and the good works of Jesus. The crowds, they're attracted to the good works of Jesus. They're not attracted to the good news of Jesus. The crowds, they're attracted to the demonstration works of Jesus, not the words of Jesus. And so... Even today, when you see an uprising of social justice in American Christianity, this emphasis on always doing good, it's massive crowds, but then you start to clarify not just good works, but good news of Jesus and the exclusivity of who he is and what what Christianity is all about. That's when you have a separation. And so fake followers are always attracted to to, to, to to the good works but not necessarily the good news. True Christians, number two, true Christians seek education. Fake followers seek entertainment. Entertainment is an idol in America. We are addicted to entertainment. I'm addicted to entertainment. You're addicted to entertainment. We want to be entertained. And what's dangerous is if that mentality moves into the church you're not there to learn. You're there to be enamored. This is the problem when Jesus said, he said, you know, you're seeking me just because you want to see a sign. You're seeking me just because you want a miracle. You're seeking me because you just, you just want some food. I think a lot of folks today, fake followers, are, if they're honest, they're, they're just there because they want the perks and the privileges of being a part of a big something. And it's the best music, it's the best message, it's the best program. And I'm not knocking any of that. We strive to do everything really well. And I'm not saying that we do everything right and perfect. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying fake followers will seek entertainment increasingly so. True Christians are seeking education. A transformation of the mind. Romans 12.1 says that uh, we're not to conform to the patterns of this world. That we're to be 
transformed by the renewing of our mind. Uh, the greatest commandment is to listen to this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your what? Mind and your strength. Yeah. Our mind is the greatest asset that we have. It is the primary vehicle in which we encounter God is the mind. Render your mind under God is a, the most powerful thing you can do. True Christians seek education. The believers in Jesus' time were seeking to know him, to read the scriptures, to know the scriptures, to thoroughly be convinced by the prophecies of Jesus. True Christians are seeking education. Faith followers are seeking entertainment. Thirdly, true Christians are full. Fake followers are shallow. What are Christians full of? They should be filled with, the Bible says, some of y'all are starting to preach now, uh, full, they're full of grace and full of truth. They're filled with love according to the scriptures in Galatians that when we become a Christian, that the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, we're permanently sealed, we're filled up with the goodness of God, and there's fruit in our lives. Uh, the Christians should be, when they're pressured, when they're under intensity, hatred doesn't come out, but love comes out. When the Christian is pressured and under immense amount of stress, what comes out is not craziness of anxiety, but of peace. Why is that? Because the Holy Spirit's at work in the life of the believer, and we're filled up with fruits of righteousness. Here they are, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We do not have self-controlled people in so many times. And so the Bible tells us that if we're Christians, that we have this fruit of the Spirit that is in our lives, and Galatians goes on to tell us that we're to keep in step with the Spirit, like an ongoing thing, like, come on, Lord, help me out here. I'm struggling in this area of my life, full of the Spirit, fruits of the Spirit. Jesus said you can judge a tree by its what? Fruit. Uh, what about fake, fake followers? Fake followers are shallow. Uh, Jesus did a parable about this, four types of soil, indicating the human heart when the Word of God is preached when the scriptures and the truth of scripture is laid bare on the human heart, there's four types of soil. The path that has no soil. The rocky ground that has little soil. Or thirdly, it's, the seed is cast out among the thorns. And fourthly, it could be cast among good soil. Your heart is supposed to be the good soil that has depth. It's not filled with rocks and thorns. And so fake followers are just shallow. When they hear the word of God, they receive it gladly for a moment and then they walk away. It grows and it dies out real quick. True Christians are tough, number four. Fake followers are offended. They're just tough. I think today's Christians ought to be, the parents ought to be raising their kids just to be tough. The Christian life is not simply a playground, it's a battleground. Um, I'm not trying to advocate like some version of Christianity that's UFC or something like that. I'm just saying we've got to be far tougher than we are today. Um, it's okay for people not to agree with us. And it's okay that we don't have to agree with everybody. We need thicker skin and softer hearts. Somebody asked me, uh, how do you do what you do without burning out? I say, man, I pray for thick skin and a soft heart. The second commandment is love your neighbor. My neighbors don't all agree with me. That's okay. 
My neighbors do things that offend me. I do things that offend them. It's okay. We don't have to agree on everything. True Christians are tough. Fake followers are so easily offended. This is why sermons are censored. You take out the word sin. You take out the word repentance. You take out the name Jesus sometimes. Because you don't want to offend the crowd. That's not us. That's not who we are as, as a Christian. That's not who we should be as, as followers of Jesus Christ. Fake followers are always offended about things. That's okay. Jesus said they persecuted you. They persecuted me and they'll persecute you. The Bible tells us, Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted. Um, this, is, this is part of the Christian life. I think this is the upcoming uh, decades ahead where uh, Christians will need to be challenged just to just be bold. Be like the Luthers. The Martin Luther, the church reformer, Martin Luther King Jr. And be bold. Speak up for truth. Lastly, Christians, true Christians stay. Fake followers leave. There is a doctrine called the perseverance of the saints. And it's the idea that when you're a Christian and God has uh, rescued you, um, redeemed you, that he's never going to leave you, and therefore you will never leave him. I hear some preachers say, well, I accepted Jesus, I can reject Jesus. I'm like, well, God saved you. God, the word says, predestined you, planned you, purposed you, called you, elected you. He ain't letting go. He's a covenant maker and a covenant keeper. And so for you, you need to know, if you see your friends fall away, they probably were never even saved. First John tells us when the Apostle John, the same guy who wrote this, he writes in a, a, an epistle called First um, John, and he writes, he says, they were a part of us, they left from us, but they were never really a part of us. In other words, a lot of people can uh, say, I'm a Christian, I go to church, but all of a sudden they start digging into the truth of Scripture and they're like, nah, nah. All right, if that's what it is, I am not that. And the truth be known is they probably never were. You're not the judge. Um, Jesus Christ is the judge. There's this thing coming for all believers called the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. There's a thing that Jesus Christ will judge everybody, and you and I aren't that judge. But you can make judgment calls, like when you're pulling up on a stoplight and it's yellow, hello, make a judgment call, it's about to turn red. Some people say you can't judge Christians or you can't judge other people. That's not true. You should judge. If a punk boy walks up to my house and smells like uh, alcohol and, and wants to take my daughter out, I make a judgment call. She ain't going out with you. No, sir. Get out of here. You know, so we can make judgment calls, uh, but true Christians are going to stay. They got staying power. Like Peter said, Lord, where are we going to go? In other words, like, you're it, man. This is it. Like, we're not leaving. Uh, Jesus knew that. But he got Peter to say that so everybody else would hear that. Are you going to stay or are you going to leave? You set an example for your kids. Do you really believe in the truthfulness of Scripture? Fake followers will leave. This is what happened with Jesus 
he starts seeing everybody leave. And I can imagine the disciples are like, man, thousands walked away. Are we really in this? Yeah, we're in it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Word. I pray for courage and conviction. Lord, I think there's so much uh, distraction today and confusion perhaps because there's a lack of depth and convictions. I just pray for Your Word to be the strength, Lord. Like Your Word says that we should hunger and thirst for righteousness. Let it be the source of our strength. Thank You for Your Holy Spirit that You're so committed to us even when we're not committed to You. Thank You for drawing people even now to You that aren't sure if they're really truly living the Christian life. The evidence that You're drawing on them even right now and they're sensitive towards this message is very likely evidence of Your good work in progress. So Father, for all those that are being drawn unto You and have that hunger and desire to know You better and live for You, might today be the day where they confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that you are the Lord. Might today be the day where they say, I'm tired of running and I'm coming to you, Jesus. Take my sins. I receive your salvation and your forgiveness. Father, for all of us, just strengthen your church. Give us a great sense of uh, love and compassion for people from all educational backgrounds, ethnic backgrounds, economic backgrounds, religious belief backgrounds, Lord. We pray that you give us a heart like yours. In the mighty name of Jesus, everybody said. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to support North Valley Church by partnering with us through giving, you can do so by visiting us online at northvalley.org. Thanks and have a great day.